Hi, and welcome to Off the Line podcast with me, Vishnu Gopkumar. Here today, I'm joined by Caleb John and George P. How's it going, guys? It's going okay, Vishnu. I'm doing okay. Good. You're doing well, Vishnu. Can't complain. Um, looking forward to preview some games with you guys. Yeah. So we today we'll be looking ahead to game week three and the big matches. We'll start with the big matches today. Uh, let's start with Man City versus Leicester. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Man City versus Leicester. Let's start with George. What do you think, George? I think it's going to be a very tight game. I think we, we got that impression from the second half of the Wolves game that if you really go at City, especially on their left-hand side, uh, it's, it can be very challenging for them. I think Harvey Barnes is in really good form as well. So he should be up against Mendy. Is that right? And oh, when they match up. So I think that's going to be a very good contest. And I think they're going to cause a lot of problems for City on that side. And uh, with regards to the scoreline, I can actually see this coming in as a draw, actually. Maybe 2-2. Two, two. Uh, George, you're a huge fan of Mendy, aren't you? <laughs> no, I'm, I, I don't rate him at all, unfortunately. <laughs> I think we clearly saw that. I mean, there have been so many times, especially against Wolves, actually. I think even in the previous games last season, I, he was hustled continuously throughout that game. And I, I think that really shows that if you really apply a lot of pressure, he does tend to break. So I think that's definitely going to be one of Brendan Rodgers' tactics coming into that game. Yeah, but I think Harvey Barnes uh, plays on the left side as well. So it will be coming up against City's uh, right back. Yeah, yes, you're right. Anyway, so he might have a tougher time against Walker, uh, although Harvey Barnes is very impressive. And he's actually in a pretty rich vein of form. He scored six goals and four assists in 13 games, if I'm not wrong. You can fact check me on that. So I rate him pretty highly and I can see him cause a lot of trouble to that uh, City back four. And like you said, Wolves did exploit them. So it's probably going to be a bit more tighter than we expected. Although, uh, City just have too much firepower and I can see them probably scoring a few goals in this game, even though Leicester is going to make a game out of it. I would say like maybe 4-1 to City, unfortunately. But they're just too damn good and Kevin De Bruyne is back to what he does best. Foden looks sharp and... uh, Let's just see what happens. And I think Jesus is also going to have to step up uh, since Aguero's out for a little bit. Yeah, City are scary this season as well. And I wouldn't want to come up against them anytime soon. Yeah, I think uh, one of the points to look out for in this game would be that the City backline is not first choice. So they don't have Laporte and in the last game, they played for Nandi Noon midfield. The starting centre-back partnership of Nathan Ake and John Stones is, let's just say, it's not the best City backline that they're going to have this season. So, definitely, that could be, that I think could be something that the likes of Jamie Vardy and uh, Harvey Barnes and maybe even James Madison would try to ping balls in behind. 
so havi bans is someone we've actually recently talked on the podcast and i think me and caleb were mentioning how highly we rate him and like last game week he showed how how much how well he can play so i think lester would give a good game of to city and i but i don't see it becoming something like a 4-1 i think that's a bit harsh on lester if one two games they probably one of four teams who won both games if i'm not wrong so i think although city would win it would be quite a tough match unfortunately i feel like city are just going to have too much quality uh, like they do uh, even though wolves did uh, you know have a really good second half uh, city just you know they they can just turn it up whenever they feel like and go into a different gear so that's what i expect against leicester probably leicester are going to have many chances um although putting the ball in the back of the net is a different thing yes money can score goals or nothing however uh, they might not have enough possession yes they hit them on the counter probably get some chances and but again city have too much firepower and i see them scoring goals so yeah that's why i would say 4-1 Yeah, another interesting thing in the first game, Pep lined them up in a four-two-three-one, as opposed to the usual four-three-three that we expect from City. So in the four-two-three-one, Kevin De Bruyne had sort of a free role as a number ten, and I think we saw how dangerous he could be. And I think that might be something to look out for in the coming games, especially after uh, David Silva left and also. Bernardo Silva's injury I think this might be a formation that Pep's going to look to deploy more often this season and it gives the opportunity to Phil Foden to you know uh, express himself as well and he looks very dangerous on and off the ball so he's also one to look out for and um, yeah Sterling can turn it up whenever he feels like City look dangerous as always Ferran Torres we didn't see too much of him from Wolves so maybe we'll see more of him in this game. Yeah I think Sterling's defensive duties have to really pick up uh if they really want to contain Leicester. I think he has to do his due diligence on that front as well. Um that was probably an area of the game where that they didn't really sharpen during the the Wolves game probably just it's probably their first initial rustiness. But I think that's also going to be pivotal. in you know making sure that they don't leak goals from that side as well uh, although having uh, adama traore uh, against you is probably going to cause a lot of people problems and he did make a fool out of mendy most of the game as well stalling could have better luck against uh, lester as who plays on their right side is it perez yeah the right side right side is stanley uh, Right back. Oh, as okay. in right back, yeah. No, I meant like the winger. The so winger, the winger is Perez, yeah. And Perez has the tendency to also drift inside, so maybe Sterling wouldn't have to do too much tracking back on his case. Uh, and help out Mendy. Mendy probably can slow down Ayuzi Perez at most times, but the the you know the overlap, the overlap could cause them problems. So how about we move on to the next game? Another big hitter, Liverpool versus Arsenal. Two teams who won both the games and probably looking in really good shape. What do you guys think about that match? Mm, yeah, I think Liverpool gonna deploy their usual 
4-3-3 formation has just worked uh, throughout the season. Um, with regards to what their midfield might be, Henderson did pick up a knock. So hopefully Joe Gomez will come back in defence and Fabinho will slot in and that pivot. Uh, and with regards to Arsenal's lineup, I suspect they will probably use the same lineup that they had in the first game week uh, with Maitland Niles and Tierney. Hopefully, if he's back from injury, uh, I think Maitland Niles really showed his quality in that um, first game of the season. And games against Liverpool, you really need the work rate, you need that tracking back. And I think Maitl Niles provides that better than anyone else on that left-hand side. So that's also going to be very pivotal for Arsenal, for them to not concede goals because he will be up against. So with Liverpool uh, and the signing of Thiago, you, we've seen how impressive he can be on the ball, especially in the second half when he came up against Chelsea. So when he came on, Liverpool actually sort of uh, set up in uh, 4-2-3-1 with a double pivot of Thiago and I mm-hmm. think was Milner at the end Milner, yeah. and where Wijnaldum was sort of given the license to push forward so do you think that could be something that we can see maybe next match like mm-hmm. again Pro- probably not I think it's still early days like we said in the last part I think the reason why we saw Thiago debut in that, that too for that period of time was just entirely on the situation. Um, knowing Klopp and what he's done with Fabinho and the likes of Robertson when they came into the squad, is that he likes to ease in his players. So I wouldn't be surprised if Thiago doesn't start. I can envision him coming on uh, in the second half, but I don't really see him starting the game. I, I, but I do feel that this 4-2-3-1 formation is definitely something we will see more of in, in coming matches in the, in the season. I think that's a, it's a new way of looking at this Liverpool team. And it, it provides, I think, Klopp uh, a different outlet when things aren't working with his usual 4-3-3. And then he can sometimes, he can maybe ask Firmino to drop in to the midfield and maybe deploy an out-and-out striker uh, just to, you know, change things up. And Fabinho playing at centre-back actually looked really good. I thought he might struggle against Werner, but he actually did a very good job in like keeping him in check. What do you think, Caleb, about like the prospects of Fabinho maybe continuing in that centre-back spot, especially in the first game week where Joe Gomez looked a bit rusty and he was exploited down that wing by the Leeds attack? Definitely. I completely agree with you. I think we spoke about this as well, that Fabinho looked very comfortable alongside Van Dyke and uh, added more confidence and stability to that back four, which was kind of exposed against Leeds, let's be honest. So, uh, I would like to see Fabinho uh, continue in that role. And a midfield three of Thiago, uh, Genie, and, you know, maybe Keita for this game. Keita and I'm not too sure what he exactly adds to the team, but in the final third, he can add some creativity to the side. So maybe tracking back, he isn't the best. Uh, Genie does run for the entire team, I do feel. So uh, that's what I think about that. Although 
uh, I want to just shift it on to the Arsenal defense, who's going to be uh, very tested in this game. Gabriel has to have a big performance against that front three. They're going to cause him a lot of problems. And uh, I'm not sure who's going to line up alongside him. David Luiz is playing tonight. He's back from injury. There's five days to this game. So we could see him lining up alongside Gabriel. So shaky defense again with David Luiz, I would say. To test yeah, the Arsenal defense is a cause of concern, as you said. They they be coming up against the likes of Salah and Mane, who are probably the most potent attacking duos or one of the most potent attacking duos in the Premier League. So yeah, I think uh, if Arsenal are unable to contain the Liverpool attack in the first few minutes, we might see Liverpool putting in one or two goals in the first half and running away with the game. I think Arsenal will probably have to keep that in check and manage the game effectively. Like especially against West Ham in the last game where, where they took the lead and they completely were off the pace and they sort of let West Ham back in the game. I think they can't afford to do that against a team like Liverpool. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. And uh, Aubameyang is probably going to be starved for... Like he's not going to get as much as... Um, as much on the ball as we would expect. I mean, against Liverpool, he's definitely not going to get much of the ball. So he's going to have to take those chances that he does get and really make them count because otherwise Arsenal are going to have a real problem. I don't see them being able to break down that defence at any point other than, you know, hit them on the break and exploit the wings because Trent and uh, Robo like, just fly up too often. That's potentially what they could do and try to, you know, just exploit mistakes at the back. Yeah. Hardly yeah, make I, think, I think it's good that you brought that up about the wings. If you notice that William and Aubameyang who play on the wings for Arsenal, they tend they like to drift in and which leaves space for their fullbacks to to attack. Now if Arsenal do attack like that with five attackers, which they showed during the first half of the West Ham game and during the Fulham game, that does leave them very susceptible and vulnerable to local counterattacks. And they will most likely concede a goal uh, if they do do that. So I think what they would have to do is, like you said, hit the wings, but you use Aubameyang and Willian on the wings and ask them to not come in narrow. I think that... This is a tactic that a lot of teams do do use when they come up against Liverpool. They really try to isolate Trent in one-on-one situations or try to get in behind Trent. And so you, I think Aubameyang's going to use that outlet and really bombard those wings instead of drifting inside like they usually do uh, in this newfound Arsenal team. Yeah, a couple of points I'd like to add uh, to that would be that in the Chelsea game especially, uh, when I was looking at how Trent was playing, normally we see him marauding down that right wing and uh, pinging crosses into the box. But since Werner was playing on the left, I felt that Klopp had asked Trent to stay back. And we didn't see a lot of the uh, attacking runs that we expect for Trent. And he was staying back and being a bit more cautious on that wing. And since Aubameyang also plays on the left, might be that Trent is asked to be a bit more cautious while running down that wing, especially trying to support the attack. Another thing that I would uh, I noticed in the previous game that Liverpool and Arsenal played, which was the charity shield, the 
Aubameyang goal. I think we've talked about this in the podcast before. The the way Arsenal built up leading up to Oba's goal was they played the ball with the keeper among the centre backs. They were drawing the press in, and there were a couple of passes towards the right wing, and the quick switch of play to Aubameyang so that he comes up against comes up as one v one against the Liverpool defence, and he just cut in and scored. I think there was another goal, similar goal that Oba scored earlier. Uh, I think post lockdown after Arteta came in. So yeah. that could be something to look out for, like the similar patterns in attack that, like Pep, I think Arteta is also trying to imprint his tactical philosophy and his build-up play. So maybe we can like look out for such patterns. But those that type of inviting the press against Liverpool, we saw this uh, Mane exploiting that uh, against Chelsea. So I wouldn't. I mean, personally, I wouldn't invite that kind of press from Liverpool. It does cause too many problems at the back. And already with, let's say, Arsenal do have a shaky defence. And a mistake like that could, you know, just mess up their confidence for the rest of the game. Maybe it doesn't have to lead to a goal. But we can definitely imagine that uh, David Luiz could make such a mistake, inviting that pressure from the back. Yeah, yeah, I did the double-edged sword, but I feel like I don't think Arteta would deviate from his usual plan of playing out from the back. I still expect Arsenal to try and beat the Liverpool press rather than, you know, bypassing it with the long ball. Maybe yeah. they'll try to play passes in behind the wing-backs because there might be space on in transition, but I still feel uh, they'll try to play the ball out. And maybe, as you said, that might lead to disastrous results in some cases, but I don't think Arteta would ask them to play another way. Agreed, agreed. You have to remember this is the same team that beat City in the FA Cup last last season. And they used the same tactic of trying to beat the press by playing around them instead of bypassing them through long balls. And they did employ the same t- tactic in the community shield and as well in post-lockdown fixture of Liverpool Arsenal. So it is something that works. Agree that it is susceptible but I honestly don't see David Luiz starting that team, to be honest. I would I would imagine Rob Holding partnering up with Gabriel, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. I so, think this would be a great tactical watch. And I think we've talked quite a bit about it. Let's move on to another game. We have Crystal Palace going up against Everton. And the most interesting thing about this is they're both... They've both won both of their opening games and they're both on six points. And early league leaders, so as to say. What do you guys make of that much? Yeah, uh, very interesting game. Uh, Everton actually look really good. Obviously, they're firing on all cylinders. And i am been very impressed with Hamas and the way he's been able to adapt to the Premier League. People weren't too sure uh, if he would be able to do that. And he's just taken it by the scruff of the neck and played some beautiful football. And uh, also, uh, Calvert-Lewin is the ultimate striker at the moment. He's just a poacher in the box and he knows exactly where to be. Uh, That's going to be another thing to look out for in this game. Although Crystal Palace and Wilb Zaha causes defences all over the I mean all over the Premier League a problem. So again, I really enjoy watching him play. 
and uh, they could probably use the same tactics they did against United. Come in and just, you know, hit them on the counter, be fierce, and uh, they could probably steal one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's sort of the way Roy Hodgson usually lines up with Crystal Palace. They prefer to sit back and hit them on the counter, soak up pressure and keep soaking up pressure and defending and then hit them on the counter. They have like really pacey and direct players like Wilfred Zaha and now Ebreche Eze is someone also exciting young pros- prospect and Andros Townsend. I don't really rate Jordan Ayu. I think he's sort of a weak link in attack. I would rather see someone like Batshuayi now that he's on loan there to get a start. But yeah, it could be a tight game but if Everton do get the lead or manage to get the lead, I feel Crystal Palace would struggle to come back from it. And yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a real test for Everton's, uh, you know, tracking back ability, something that they didn't really have to do in their opening two fixtures. So I'm pretty excited to see how Ancelotti is going to manage that. I think we spoke about last time how Hamas didn't really, you know, track back during the West Brom. West Brom game didn't really matter in the end of the day, but I'm curious to see, especially because he's playing on the right, that if he does drift in and stay inside, that does leave space for wingers and for players like Zaha to exploit. So I'm I'm curious and I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I think the the tactics of uh, using long balls, especially crosses. Uh, is might not work as effectively as it did against West Brom. They might have to be a little bit more direct in their play. And yeah, I think like you guys said, it's going to be a very interesting match. Can't wait for it. Yeah, the Everton sort of been very free-flowing in attack especially. But they haven't been really tested uh, on the other end of the pitch. Even with the game against Spurs. I didn't feel like Spurs create an awful lot going forward. And he, and with West Brom, they conceded two goals, which is sort of a red flag. But then they, at the other end, they scored five, which make, made it look really dominant. But do you think Crystal Palace has it in them to test that Everton backline and pull? Like, might not be very bad, but at least trouble them defensively? Yeah, I, I do. I think catching them on the break is a very a likely scenario. And we, we can definitely see more of what Roy Hodgson employed during the game in Old Trafford. We can definitely see more of that, where Everton will sit back and, sorry, Palace will sit back, absorb the Everton pressure, and then hit back on the counter. So, like Caleb said, I think a sneaky Crystal Palace win might be written in the books. What do you think, Vishnu? Do you have any? You, you know which way the scales are going to tip? I I don't think Crystal Palace would win. I don't see Crystal Palace getting away with all three points. Draw might be likely, but I still feel Everton look just too good offensively to be held up by the Crystal Palace defence. So, I see it going Everton's way. All right. Let's, uh, let's have a preview of one more game before we wrap this up. And it is United against Brighton. I'll start with you, Kale. Well, uh, let's hope for a better United performance, first of all. The first 
the first game against Crystal Palace was absolutely shocking. The team looked tired. However, I do expect them to bounce back and bounce back really strong and try to send a message to everyone in the Premier League. I think it has to be a performance like that. Uh, nothing else will do. I want to see goals and I want to see a lot of them. Although, let's talk about Brighton for a second. They've looked actually pretty impressive uh, in the first two games. Uh, love, can't wait to see more of Tariq Lamptey. He's been an absolute revelation. So, excited to see that. But just coming back to United, they did play against Luton Town last night and uh, it did look pretty lackluster again. However, when Bruno Fernandes, Rashford and Greenwood came onto the pitch, they they looked sharp, they looked fit again and they looked like they wanted to, they mean business. So, I want to see more of that and I can see United running away with it actually. Maybe three three goals. Not too sure about the defence still. So I can see them concede uh, a goal maybe. Yeah. But, but th- that remains the problem, doesn't it? Like as you said, United look lacklustre until the likes of Rashford and Greenwood and Bruno Fernandes came on. So a lot of their, a lot of the team's form or the result hugely depends on the form of the front line. Against Crystal Palace, Rashford and Martial, even Bruno to an extent, had an off game and they didn't look quite good. So, there aren't really a lot of attacking outlets in that United team at the moment and in the system that they're playing. So, yeah, let's hope that they can bounce back with a victory because it's long overdue. Yeah, but uh, against Luton, there were 10 changes to the team. Only Harry Maguire started both games. So, I do expect to see Van Bissaka back in the team. He didn't have a the greatest game. He wasn't tested defensively. If he was, he you know he's going to clear that up. Uh, Luke Shaw is also going to be back in the squad. Hopefully, he can start hitting form again. Uh, and I would like to see Bayi in defense, partnering up with Maguire. Nothing. It's just because Lindelof had such a terrible game. I it would be just injustice not to start Bayi after he had quite honestly a decent game. So, and we're going to have the likes of Rashford, Bruno, uh, Greenwood, and Martial starting. So, it's just going to give them more time to score the goals that we need to win this game. So, I don't think that's going to be a problem in this game specifically. Uh, they have to pick their socks up and get it going. And I expect that, expect them to do so. Yeah, I think this is going to be a game in the midfield, actually. I think Brighton love to play in the midfield. And they're very direct in their build-up play. They like to play in the down the center sometimes if they're not using their fullbacks for width, and they really showed that against Chelsea. So I, I want to see. I'm curious to see what all half spaces they they pick up between the United backline if they are going to play through the center. Caleb, what do you think is going to be the midfield combination? When uh, yeah, so I would like to see Matic back in the starting lineup. Uh, McTominay is not a CDM, and I don't expect him to start this game. Uh, I expect Pogba to play and Bruno to play. I wouldn't... Probably a lot of United fans would say Van der Beek should start over Pogba. I just don't expect Ole to not start Pogba. We try to build a team around him. So, uh, hopefully he's picked up some match sharpness and fitness and he's, you know, just completely uh, healed himself from the virus that he did contract. So... If he has a better game, I can see us winning the midfield battle. And especially 
with Matuj adding a just bit more solidity to that fragile uh, defense, I can expect them to win the midfield battle and uh, in turn win the match. Yeah, yeah, true, true. I think work rate is also going to be a very important factor. We saw in the Crystal Palace game that Pogba was very, like you said, tired. And it, tired, is, yeah. it, it looked like he just didn't have it in him to play the full, you know, proper 90 minutes of hardcore United football. So I think that's going to be extremely important in this Brighton game. He, you, you need to put in the work rate, especially when you're going to up, up against a lot of full-back runners. I know that Pogba might not have to deal with that, but I think their midfield itself, especially if they're going to play down the centre, they're going to be very direct. And I think Pogba does have to put in his work rate. Yeah, I think a lot of Brighton's attacking play, especially in the first couple of games, went through the right side, through Tariq Lante. Yeah. But in the Newcastle game, he was subbed off around the 60-minute mark. Might be an injury concern, but I really hope he plays because he's a really exciting young prospect. And I'm excited to see how he's going to face up against the top team like United. He's probably going to have his way with Luke Shaw, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> he's, he's, really, he's really quick and uh, he's a clever player. So Luke Shaw didn't have the first best first game so he needs to pick it up pretty good to you know just uh, shut down a shut down a prospect and bring him down to earth maybe uh, hopefully he can have a good game uh, more imp- i just wanted to touch upon this fact united are the only team right now that have two you know starting 11 uh, goalkeepers with henderson and De Gea. Uh, not many people are talking about this like it's a problem Although, don't you guys think it's a problem to have, you know, the upper echelon of uh, keepers like that? One of them always has to be on the bench. Yeah, there were a lot of rumours actually linking Dean Henderson with the move away. Ultimately, he ended up signing a new contract and staying at United. Yeah. I think the board must have done a good job of convincing him that, you know, De Gea is of, like, gradually going to be phased out and he's their keeper for the future. There must have been some talks like that. But yeah, as you pointed out, it's not easy to like keep two world-class goalkeepers happy at the same time, especially with the Euros coming up. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be interesting, and uh, it'll be it's it's something to look keep an eye on. One mistake from either keeper could mean their spot is gone, and I really hope that you know De Gea doesn't make one of his errors this this time because you need to have confidence to be a good goalkeeper. And uh, it's going to be something that plays on their mind. Hopefully, these guys can figure it out themselves. Yeah, so I think Caleb's obviously going for a United win. George, what about you? What do you think about the result? Yeah, I think also, I think United are going to edge this maybe by maybe a goal. All right. I think that's it for the week, guys. Uh, any, any closing thoughts? Yeah, oh. I hope our predictions are, are right. <laughs> and Leia, can't wait to <laughs> dissect the game from the following week. Yeah, I'm uh, just looking forward to another week of Premier League football. Nothing beats it. Yeah, I think that's it for today. And thanks for listening. Bye from us. Right then. Have a good one. Bye. <laughs>